Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen. I'm here with Christian Spicer. This is a Decoding TV bonus episode, The Last of Us, Season 1, Postmortem. Uh, we are going to talk about reactions to the finale, talk about people's feedback to the show, the podcast, everything. Um, so that is kind of on the agenda for today. In addition to that, uh, I played through the game, The Last of Us Part 1. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, my like, I, I played through the game basically in the last week, and I, I want to share like some of my reflections on that. Uh, and also, Christian has a couple questions about video games and turning them into shows that we're going to talk about. And we're going to conclude, if we ha- have time, I hope, very last 5, 10, 15 minutes if we have time, um, full spoilers for part two of the game. So like at the very last... 10, five, 10 minutes, we're going to reflect on like what they might do for season two uh, and so on. And we, I'll give a copious warning before that happens. Um, but just wanted people to know at the very end, we'll, we'll be spoiling everything in the game as well. Or not not everything, but like some of the things in, in the second game. No, but until minutes, then... Five minutes is enough time to cover everything that happens in The Last of Us Part Two. So I think oh, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, until that point, though, you should assume that uh, we are going to spoil both... The Last of Us Part 1, the video game, and also The Last of Us Season 1 on HBO. So just FYI, we'll be spoiling those things. Um, as usual, you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, at decodingtv. Uh, and I want to give a reminder that uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be recapping Succession right here on Decoding TV. Um, got a big announcement about that coming up in the next week or so. So be sure to stay tuned to Decoding TV Succession, the final season, right here on Decoding TV. Um, so, yeah, check your feeds and uh, you'll see what we're talking about. Christian Spicer, uh, right at the top, I want people to know where they can find you in the meantime before we talk about The Last of Us today. Yeah, my website, ChristianSpicer.com, is a great place to go. Uh, I blog there a little bit it has links to other stuff as well you can find my graphic novel that i wrote consequences there in the store i have a few uh physical copies of the deluxe edition if people want to buy those i will ship them right out to you and then i host a video game podcast every week with jeff canada we're in in year 10 now which is wild called dlc you can find that wherever you get your podcasts and then i write long form about video games in a newsletter that you can find at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I've had such a great time working with Christian on The Last of Us Season 1, and I feel confident saying that if there is a Decoding TV podcast by the time The Last of Us Season 2 rolls around, uh, that we will be recapping it together. Now, how can you make or sure AI, that... AI, AI facsimiles of us. Yeah. One of the two will happen. Um. Yeah, now how can you make sure that that <laughs> exists... Uh, become a paid subscriber at DecodingTV.com. Get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and exclusive bonuses that we make just for the DecodingTV.com members. Thanks to everyone who subscribed to DecodingTV.com and gotten us to this point. Also, I just want to say, I think my audio has been coming in a little bit loud until this point, and I've just lowered it. So if my audio was sounded bad, uh, it is now better. Christian, was it I sounding no- bad? I noticed... I noticed no. I noticed you lowered. I'm going to turn my headphones yeah. up again. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. okay. Yeah. I turned I turned it down a little because I was I was clipping there a little bit. So sorry about that. It will not sound that way the whole time. Okay. Well, there is so much to discuss, Christian. Too much for the next sixty minutes, but we're going to try to get to as much as we can. Uh, 
Um, first of all, a, a few things have a few pieces of information have come out since uh, the Last of Us season finale. Uh, one, it was confirmed by Neil Druckmann that season two will not cover the entire part two of the video game. Um, so uh, he I, he has not confirmed how many seasons part two of the video game will take, but he has confirmed it will be more than one season. And based on the ratings of The Last of Us Part 1, it does seem like we're going to get, I'm going to say, at least a couple more seasons of of The Last of Us Christian Spicer, um, which, for those who enjoy the show, will, they'll find that very welcome news. There was a 30-minute documentary called Making The Last of Us that was released on HBO Max. Uh, I have watched it. I wanted to just talk a little bit about it. And... Um, I did not think it was very good. <laughs> I was just going to put that out there. I think the, the people who made the documentary were clearly working under challenging circumstances. Like many of the interviews looked like they happened over Zoom in people's houses or whatever. And so it's like, okay, they're probably working under some kind of COVID or travel restrictions or budgetary restrictions. So like, I have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, but it was... Uh, you know, there were some cool tidbits, some some a handful of cool behind the scenes shots. But the thing is, it was so short mm. that, it, it, in my opinion, just didn't do the season justice. Like, I think I remember uh, there was a Game of Thrones documentary called the was it called the Long Dark Night? Um, is that what it's called? Let me see what it was. I want to. Hey everyone, this is editor David coming in after the fact. The documentary was called Game of Thrones: The Last Watch. Uh, there was a like ninety minute long. Game of Thrones documentary after that show was over in its entirety. That was like, okay, that was awesome. That that like really conveyed how difficult it was to make the show Game of Thrones. Um, and for probably very understandable logistical reasons, they couldn't do that for making The Last of Us. So instead, what you get is like three minutes on music, three minutes on the visual effects, three minutes on the location. You know, it's like, okay, like... A handful of cool details and behind-the-scenes shots, but it's so surface-level. I really hope, wish, that at some point down the line there's going to be like a more in-depth making of that really delves into like how all these things came together. Because on a technical level, The Last of Us is really impressive. So, Uh, and, And I will say this, watching the making of The Last of Us really gave me an appreciation for how much variety of stuff there was in the show, how many different locations, how many different creatures, you know, like, uh, and how difficult that must've been to all put together. Like, I think we've played the video game, Christian, you know, you look at the show, you're like, Oh yeah, that's like a reasonable facsimile of what was in the video game. And it's like, dude, like those are all different locations all around the country. They had to like scout them out to make sure they look the same. you know, like you do get some appreciation of that work that went into it, but I really wish it had been a little bit more in depth. So. Anyway, just some quick thoughts on the documentary, The Making of The Last of Us, or Making The Last of Us. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to mention about the end of the uh, of the show is, did you see this uh, giraffe discourse online, Christian? Like some people were saying, oh man, um, they really shouldn't have uh, used CG giraffes. The CG giraffes look so fake. You know, a lot of, a lot of people commenting. And some responses to that went viral that were saying, if you watch the making of you, you know that they used real giraffes uh, for the giraffe scene. And it's like, people are now at a point where they think real life looks CG or real life things look CG. Now, to be fair, there were CG elements in the draft scene. So maybe that's what people are responding to. But um, 
But they were interacting with an actual draft, which is pretty cool if you think about it. They actually got a real-life draft to, to do that draft scene. Uh, and I will say, Christian, neither you or I questioned that on the podcast, if I recall correctly. So, yeah. Correct. Well, I'm glad it's in the making of. I can neither confirm nor deny, but yes, those are real giraffes. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it um, sounds like you can confirm then. Sounds no, like I'm not confirm. confirming, but I could if I was, but I'm not. But if I was, uh-huh. they for sure were real yeah, giraffes yeah. um but also yeah i mean knowing that or not knowing it no, no going into that episode um not, nothing about that scene jumped out as like oh that's the cheap scene you know, I, I don't know but again <laughs> yeah I, yeah i don't know what people expect any <laughs> anymore in terms yeah. of what looks real what looks fake the uncanny valley this that or the other and there are definitely some movies um you know, some with a superhero that shrinks to a small size and a large size, but is placed in a world where you can't tell what that size means because it's not relative to anything. Like some movies look clearly created. Um, mm-hmm. The Last of Us may- was not one may- of those may- shows. Maybe movies that take place in the quantum realm, let's just say, as a as an example, you know. Quantumthetically, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, quantumthetically, um. yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they used a lot of visuals in the show, visual effects in the show. I thought most of the visual effects looked pretty strong. And, and actually, if you watch the making of it, it shows you, like, to what extent visual effects were used. And there's many shots where you had no idea. Probably most people had no idea visual effects were used. And those are the most impressive ones, right, where you don't even notice it. So... Yeah, Ellie was actually but, played by uh, Pedro also. He played both roles, um, Joel and It was and amazing it's dual just... performance. Um, <laughs> okay, well, speaking about how bad things look, we did get some comments over at DecodingTV.com about, that really just didn't like the finale on an executional level. Danny from DecodingTV.com writes, I felt like Joel switching on God mode and just walking around completely unimpeded through the building and carrying Ellie out with literally no danger was a little stupid. I guess action like this was all throughout the video game, but it just felt very out of place for this episode. To which Lahiru writes, I thought this sequence was disastrously executed. It looked comical and totally out of place with the action we've seen to date. The overall slavish devotion to the game in this episode was, in my opinion, a misfire. It felt insubstantial. The best scene for me was the opening, which was a show invention, end quote. So that kind of echoed a little bit of some of the issues you had, uh, Christian, with like Joel not even taking a scratch. Um, going beast mode and killing everyone in the hospital last episode. Um, to me, what was so I, I didn't mind it really, honestly, because it's like okay, we've seen Joel kill people. Like, um, he's pretty good at killing people. Like, it, it <laughs> makes sense to me that like these people who probably haven't seen that much combat might be unprepared for Joel, you know, rampaging his way through the thing. Um, but to me, what's odd is in the video game uh, version of this scene. It's actually a really extended sequence where Joel needs to like kill or evade a bunch of these fireflies through the halls of this hospital. And I died like eight times, like playing this game, you know, it's really difficult. Uh, And what's weird is that basically like, it's so difficult that like kind of the video game is quote unquote more realistic than the show version of the video game. Where like (laughs) it is harder for me as Joel in the game to get through this section than Joel in the show. So it's a little bit of a weird thing that he, yeah, he doesn't take a bullet or, you know, isn't scratched at all or what, you know, basically is able to do it without much, much cost to himself. I agree. Uh, I, or not, I agree. I understand why it bothered people. Christian, any further thoughts on this? 
Well, just for folks who don't know the term, God mode is kind of from video games where you basically turn on a cheat and you have full health and you can just stand there and no one can hurt you is kind of the implication from Danny. And I do find it interesting with adaptations of video games because in every, not every, but most video games, there is tension of a fail state, whether that is your character dying or um, running out of time or, you know, something along those lines. And it's not the end of the story in most games. Like if you're playing The Last of Us video game and you playing as Joel die, it's not game over and, you know, the little disc burns up and you can't ever play it again. You get to start again and maybe you've lost a little bit of progress or maybe you've lost a few unlockable or collectibles that you've picked up along the way. But typically you start back at a checkpoint or at some games where you can save wherever you want. You kind of don't lose any of that. You just lose that encounter and you're like, ugh, I have to try that again. And in adaptations, that fail state, that tension, uh, isn't there because the story, you know, the story is being told. So there's never in the Tomb Raider movies or TV shows or whatever that (laughs) Lara doesn't find the tomb. She's like, ah, I can't figure out this clue. Time to go home, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right, right. And so I don't know if like Joel took two to the thigh, if that makes it makes that tension feel more real Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a difficult problem for people coming from the game. uh, Like that difficulty you talked about. I don't, I don't know the solve, but I recognize how it could rub people the wrong way because it's like, Oh yeah, there's no stakes there. Well, there are, but that's not the point of that part of the story. (laughs) Like what does Joel get taken down? Well, speaking of realism, I think there's been a lot of debate around how realistic was the ending? Uh, Vladimir from Washington wrote into decodingtv at gmail.com talking about the realism. And this is, I've seen this many, many places. So this is just, and many emails. So this is just one representative message of like this idea. Okay. So Vladimir writes, I am a physician myself. And I was wondering the same thing you guys alluded to. How many doctors are there 20 years post-apocalypse? How many neurosurgeons or any type of surgeon? Did, did Joel just kill the last neurosurgeon in Utah, the mountain West, the country? On the other hand, my reaction, and perhaps this is just trying to rationalize Joel's behavior, was that there wasn't some way to find another cure behind, besides opening up Ellie's brain. Like, do they have MRIs, CT scans? Do they scan and confirm she has some cordyceps living in her brain? On a biochemical level, I would expect that whatever that purported molecule is that tells new cordyceps that she's already infected would be something that could be isolated from her blood. So before they, uh, before jumping on brain surgery, I would have expected some blood work and attempted chemistry. Um... This is probably a way to wiggle out of the big question of whether Joel just sacrificed the fate of humanity for individual love. On the other hand, he is a little bit justified if the Fireflies are jumping the gun with a surgery that's sure to kill Ellie before, I don't know, trying to analyze what's in her blood, end quote. So many people were like, WTF, dude, like just going straight to killing her makes absolutely no sense from a medical perspective. Um, Many people have objected to to that idea. Now, here's what I'm going to say, and it might shock you that I'm going to say this. As as king nitpicker of decoding TV, um, <laughs> but yes, okay, whatever. It's like really unrealistic, but like the show is still asking an interesting philosophical question, right? And for me, my time, like just the time that I reflect on the show, and this ending specifically, not the whole show, but like the ending specifically, I feel is best spent trying to take the ending on its own terms. Like there is, let me let me give you an example. Let me give you another example. Okay, there's a show called Devs. All right. Do you see Devs, the Alex Garland show? I not all of it, but I'm aware of it. 
I'm going to give away the premise of devs, which is not really revealed until, I don't know, halfway through the show. Devs is on Hulu. I, I, I really like the show. Um, in devs, they create a computer that is able to recreate everything that has ever happened in history and therefore predict the future, right? Like, it, you're able to, like, glimpse... You're able to like put a put a on screen like the crucifixion of Jesus, you know, because it can like it has all the data of everything that's happened, and therefore it can go into the past and 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 into the future. That's that's what the premise of devs is. Okay. Now that's basically impossible. <laughs> what I just said, right? Like, um, there is no computer on Earth that can like hold that much information. Like, it's just. Physically impossible, even with quantum computing, which is what devs is about, it's like really hard to imagine that data being able to be stored somewhere. Like there's just too much data, right? Um, but the question the show is asking is like, what would you do if you had this machine that could tell the future? Like, what? How would you react to that? So, uh, I choose to in in the case of devs and in the case of the Last of Us, I choose to not spend my time trying to puzzle together like. Okay, would that actually have been the wise thing to do? It's like, okay, the question it's asking is, given these basic philosophical circumstances of, let's say they're able to generate a cure, they have to kill her, they didn't tell her they're going to kill her, like, who is right, who's wrong, are they both wrong, are they both right, etc. Um, that's my approach to this situation. I know, you know, as somebody who harps on the realism of shows all the time, that might surprise people to hear, might sound hypocritical, but I think it's an interesting philosophical question. That said, acknowledged, it makes absolutely no sense from a realism perspective. So like, um, you know, asked and answered, uh, I agree with everyone saying it makes no sense, but let's go to the question. Let's go to the question of whether or not it's right or wrong. Now, before we get to that question, Christian, any thoughts on anything I've just said? I agree with a lot of what you just said, and it's similar in the game. You know, there's not, uh, it's like, Joel wasn't knocked out for eight months, you know, from the getting hit in the head. It's not like eight months. No, we've done everything. You've been out for a very long time. Trust us when this is the, the only solution. I do wonder if the folks at this rubbed the wrong way or kind of maybe not even rubbed the wrong way, but took them out of that moment and, and maybe prevented them from having that question uh, at the end of the show, be the one that the show I think was trying to ask. And they were kind of like, oh, wait, that seems odd. I wonder if like one line of, not quite exposition, but like one further line or so or couplet of, we've been researching this forever. Perhaps a limerick, you know, maybe a haiku, Jeff could have haiku, you know, perhaps would help. Whoa, let's yeah. not get, come on. Come, that's <laughs> uncalled for, Dave, mm -hmm, uncalled for. Mm -hmm. Um but some something right a short a short monologue perhaps where they say marlene's like we've tried everything um we know that legit this is the only way <laughs> you know and it, i i don't think that would have made the show better for me because i think that would have been a down the barrel of the lens dear audience just go with it and i, I you know i don't think that makes the show better but i wonder if for some viewers that would have helped if somehow they added um, a little more weight behind the idea that this is truly the only way, or at least they yeah. really think it is. And then yeah. post game stuff and in other discussion, Neil and Craig have said that, yeah, they, they are, they do believe they are making a cure whether or not it would actually work or not, you know, yada, yada, yada. But like the fireflies, there's good intention there, right? They do. It's not just total whack science. They believe that this is the way. 
Yeah. And so with that, I agree. I kind of go along with the show, but I, I totally understand that in, you know, again, let's say Joel was out for 24 hours. You know, they, they did a lot in 24 hours or they got Ellie, they got her, uh, you know, an, some uh, good times uh, mask, uh, <laughs> you know, got her to drift away, got her prep for surgery, got all the tools ready and loaded in. They didn't know that they were showing up that day. Um, yeah. How old is that surgeon? Did that person learn that stuff? Were they 15 uh, in t- 2003 and they've studied, you know, is it Doogie Howser? Like there's all that stuff that I think <laughs> yeah. are fun and interesting it's like, exactly. nitpicks for the That's internet exactly, to have, yeah, it's, it's but... fun and interesting nitpicks, but it's like, but the show is ultimately presenting a philosophical question to you. And I think it is worthwhile to engage on that question on the show's own terms, right? Like, yeah, take the as show. As opposed to being like, well, I don't think you. that, that, you know, like, that's not a, that's, that's not how you find the cure. You know, that's not how you do it. It's like, okay, yes, I, I agree with that. But like, it's presenting a philosophical question. Let's try to engage a philosophical question. Um, now, um, I will say, on that note, I have been shocked. <laughs> First of all, I, I'm grateful that Christian, you and I basically were aligned on this ending, right? Like on what we thought of the ending, which is that Joel does something unforgivable. He takes away yeah, Ellie's. He should, have, he should have killed more people, right? Like Joel <laughs> left so many alive people. He, he takes away Ellie's agency and then he murders a bunch of people. You know, like that's and then and then lies to Ellie about it. Like that's a series of really terrible things that he does out of selfishness. Uh, And you and I were like, that's that's he's the bad actor in this case. But 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 to just just to asterisk that, I don't know if I would have done it differently. Like, I think we talked about that, too. Like, if I were in those shoes. But yes, like on the outside watching it, it's like, yeah, he's doing some bad things. (laughs) Sure. Um, But. I have been interested to see, like, hey, we're having the discourse around the the game all over again when the game came out originally, right? Like, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that – I have seen people basically saying the complete opposite. The Fireflies were wrong. They shouldn't have put her under and put her in surgery without um, telling her what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, there, and, and Joel, therefore, saving her is doing the right thing. Or, you know, any society – that would sacrifice the life of a child without their consent, even you know, if you believe a child can even provide consent, is not a society worth saving. That's something that a lot of people have said as well. Um, and I just wanted to acknowledge that viewpoint, that that's a viewpoint that a lot of people have. They're like, yeah, this is horrible. Um, and Joel is actually in the right. And I've seen arguments to the effect of Joel is in the right, and literally there is no other valid opinion. Like, I've seen tweets phrased like, Joel was right to do what he did, and there is literally no other valid opinion, which is stunning to me, because at the very least, like, Joel's actions at the end in no way read to me as, I'm trying to save Ellie's life because this is what Ellie would have wanted, you know? It, It reads as a purely selfish act to me of, like... I'm saving Ellie's life because I need to have Ellie in my life. Because Ellie, in my opinion, has already expressed her position on what she wants to have happen. She wants to finish this because I can't have gone through all this for nothing. Um, so anyway. I want to read this email from Susan uh, from DecodingTV.com. And 
she writes, quote, yes to Christian's question about whether to tell Ellie about the outcome of the operation. She's a preteen capable of complex thinking and with the development of her identity and through her ordeal needs a sense of purpose. purpose. And the fact that she wasn't told leads to a pretty sad ending. One set of adults made a decision for her. Then another adult, Joel, made a different decision. Because she's not asked, it gave Joel's actions a teensy bit of validity for me, uh, avenging Ellie's right to say no. Then his killing the doctor seemed to destroy the last chance for humanity at even the score. But after killing Marlene, he lies to Ellie, further robbing her of her independence, action, and a sense of identity and purpose. His actions were about what he wants, not her. I was incredibly sad for Ellie and hating Joel and impressed by the showrunners to end the season this way, end quote. But I really like the way Susan put it, that basically like one set of adults took away a decision from Ellie and then this other adult took the decision from Ellie again in a different way and then lied to her. Like, yes, the Firefly shouldn't have lied to her or yes, I should have been more clear to her. Like, I'm not saying they're blameless, but Joel's sins were far greater for me. Christian, you want to wade back into this discussion before we move on? <laughs> Hopefully until The Last of Us Part 1 is remastered for PS6. Ooh, I'll play it again. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, where the argument that Joel was doing the thing that Ellie would have wanted doesn't hold water is when he lies to her. I think if it was what he honestly thought Ellie wanted, I think, and maybe you could have had a great argument about this and Ellie reacted like, that's not what I wanted, you idiot. How did you think that? But if Joel truly thought he did what Ellie wanted, I think he would have said something like, you know, I did what you wanted me to do, kiddo. I saved you baby girl, you know, whatever, all those emotional lines to show that he's trying to connect with her and say, they were going to kill you to create this cure. I don't know if it would have worked or not. So without any other options, I killed them all to save your life because I know that you were excited about all these other things to do when you grew up, you know, all the things we talked about. And then that, that can lead to that conversation. But Joel in no way did that. You know, she asked him straight up, tell me you're telling me the truth. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> told you the truth. He wasn't. And so I think for me, that's where it, that argument that he was doing what Ellie wanted doesn't, uh, doesn't hold its weight. You know, I read the very ending of her saying, okay, as her accepting Joel's narrative and primarily being about her and Joel. But I did want to acknowledge like the, the alternate and possibly more conventional interpretation is just her coming to terms with what actually, what she now thinks actually happened. Right. But when I look at the ending, both in the video game and the show, I'm, I'm not seeing a girl that is 100% convinced by what Joel has said. That's, that's me personally. What yeah, is I don't your think kind she of believes? Yeah. Okay. okay I yeah. agree. Cause, Cause I heard the interpretation. Oh, maybe she does believe. And that's her like coming to terms with it. But I, that doesn't, that's not what that performance reads like to me. You know, it doesn't read as like, I'm accepting that, um, you know, uh, I guess I didn't have the magic blood that saves the world. You know, like it's her coming to terms with like, I need to accept Joel's narrative for us to keep going. And maybe he's lying, but like, if this relationship is to continue, I need to accept this. So anyway, on that note, uh, Gustavo writes, the questions this narrative inspires folks to ask t- themselves tend to surround either the morality of Joel's actions or the lack of agency Ellie has in her own fate. I find these questions interesting as well, but shouldn't we examine the ethical nature of the procedure itself? 
The gambit that's offered is to offer up the life of one individual to save the world. This strikes me as an unreasonable and unethical medical question. When talking about consent, the concept of power dynamics is put often put hand in hand. I ask you this. Is there any more egregious power imbalance than the individual versus the collective? It seems impossible to protect such a transaction from societal coercion. The way we frame the moral question is often about what is what Ellie would have wanted. But how can we possibly ask someone to pit their lives against everyone else's? Ultimately, my biggest qualm with this question goes deeper than that. What exactly does it mean for Ellie's sacrifice to save everyone anyway? What does the miracle cure look like when applied to the world at large? In episode two, Tess puts it plainly. Immune or not, you can still be ripped to shreds. So isn't the world exactly as dangerous the day after Ellie's sacrifice? And how does a cure do anything to treat Kathleen's ruthlessness or David, the cannibal's deviance? Uh, how do we know the fireflies would even deliver it at all? At the end of the day, I think our current pandemic shows just how much of our social malaise can be treated with a vaccine, end quote. Quick comment on that. I like that in the game, they call it a vaccine. In the show, they're like, there's no such thing as a vaccine. It doesn't make any sense in this context. They called it something different. Um, and I like that the show kind of was like, quote unquote, more scientifically accurate than the game was. Um, but I think these questions go towards, from Gustavo writing to decodingtvhgmail.com, go towards kind of the realism again of the show, right? Like, um, would would a vaccine, quote unquote, with a, would a cure even solve problems? You know, wouldn't the fireflies become drunk with power after having it and use it for their own purposes? Um, I, I think these are all valid questions. And I, I do think it's right to ask, uh, you know, I have said that, hey, take take the show on its own terms. And if the show is presenting a philosophical question, try to answer the question. But I do think that it is reasonable to factor into Joel's rationale that, hey, even if there's a cure, it doesn't, doesn't make a difference. World's still already gone to shit. Like, the fireflies aren't trustworthy people. Like they'll abuse it anyway. You know, like it's, it's rational that that all feeds into his actions. That said still makes what he does unforgivable, but like it's, it makes it at least slightly more understandable. Um, Christian, any thoughts on this? One of the areas, and I think uh, Craig has said that spores might come into play later. Um, mm-hmm. And for, like they said, we haven't totally abandoned that, but in backing up a mm-hmm. little bit in the video game, this it also spreads via spores, not just through bites. So a lot of the game, you're putting on a gas mask to go into spore-infected areas. So there are ways in which the people in the world can become infected without interacting with someone who's infected. In the show, it seemed like it was this initial outbreak as this cordyceps stuff got into a grain, and then people ate it, and then it kind of spread through biting. And the show doesn't really dive into how new people are infected other than through bites. And so I could kind of, assuming that's true, and I'm not saying that they've, they've said that's the only way, but they haven't said otherwise yet. You know, they're not saying mm-hmm. Bill and Frank weren't worried about eating something and, you know, they weren't checking. When was this manufactured? Does this have the, the fungus in it? Um, assuming, like, the, now that we're doing this, I'll probably release season two, episode one tomorrow, Dave, as we spend five minutes on something and then the show answers it uh, after we talk about it. Um, but... Assuming that's kind of true, I am curious if if Joel or people like him could have this idea of this thing just has to run its course. Uh, at some point, uh, there's there's a collectible in the game that hints at 70% of the population is destroyed um, at the mm-hmm. outbreak. And so like, if it can't continue to spread other than bites, is there a way where eventually 
all the infected die out, you know, or you can route, you know, round them all up and kill them all. And, and then you can be, re- you can rebuild society or yeah. for there ever to be a quote unquote normal society, does there need to be a cure to this thing or not? Now, if there is a, you know, if you do need that cure, yeah, I do think it doesn't matter if the world's already gone to hell in a handbasket, getting the cure makes it better. Will it cure all of humanity's ills and moral problems and evils? No, <laughs> but it will get it back to a better place than having all of those things <laughs> plus this deadly virus or you know, this deadly infection that's killing people. Um, so I think a cure would help, but no, it wouldn't make bad actors good people, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Evil persists in the heart of men. You also bring up a good question that I've seen brought up is like, it's weird that the cordyceps infection has lasted this long, like 20, 30 years, you know, like um, typically uh, like in the case of a, a pandemic, pandemics end. Every pandemic that's ever happened has ended in the history of mankind. And it's like, I know it's not a pandemic because it's not a viral disease, but um, people are people do question like, what what is it like? wouldn't this thing have burned itself out long ago? You know, why is it still happening? How do the cordyceps even work exactly? You know, like those are questions that the show still hasn't really fully answered yet, but point taken that I think a lot of people have qualms with the realism of the show. And I, I understand if that prevents you from enjoying it um, or, or prevents you from engaging with the questions that it's trying to present. Um, but yeah, it's just fascinating to see like how strong the opinions are on both sides, even after all these years, nine years after the show, the game has come out. We're still having the same conversation and people are still feeling really strongly about it. Um, but Christian, I'm glad we agree on on uh, the main matters of, of the finale and the questions it asks. So anyway, this is a good time to bring up that this episode of Decoding TV is brought to you by Nissan. As a pioneer in the electric vehicle space, Nissan's always looking for ways to deliver new meaningful technologies to EV owners. After all, Nissan's been making EVs since 1947, and their EVs have now traveled 8 billion miles by Nissan Leaf owners since 2010. 8 billion miles! That's the equivalent of driving to Pluto and back. If you think that's electrifying, one of their EVs trekked all the way to the North Pole, and Nissan even tests their EV technology on the Formula E racetrack. But Nissan knows that you don't just get an EV for the E, you get a Nissan EV because it makes you feel electric. Because it sparks your imagination, it ignites something within you, it pins you to your seat, and it takes your breath away. At least that's what Nissan thinks when designing their EVs like the Nissan Aria and the Nissan Leaf. It's about creating a thrilling design that electrifies its customers. I love Nissan's focus on creating a thrilling drive and an electrifying life. In today's world, it's so important to look around you, to pay attention, to look for all the tiny ways that life can electrify you. And I said this before, Christian Spicer, but doing this podcast and kind of diving into the minutia of whether or not this is realistic and so on, like whether or not the ending made sense, uh, I do find that electrifying. I find that a lot of fun and really interesting and it energizes me. And and often the the differing opinions, right? Like people strenuously disagreeing with me, I find that electrifying too because I find it's a good way to like test my own opinion. I'm not like, I'm going to stick to my opinion no matter what, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to subject it to all the critiques from people writing into decodingtv at gmail.com. And uh, and see if it still stands up. And sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it does. And I find that to be a great part of this whole enterprise and very, very fun. So thanks to everyone who's engaged with this podcast and been part of the Decoding TV community this season of The Last of Us. We hope you'll continue to join us for Succession next year, uh, or next week, I should say. And I want to give a big shout out to Nissan for sponsoring this podcast. Nissan, EVs that electrify. All right, I Christian, just uh, throw out homing, totally unrelated. 
I really hope that the season of succession ends with only uh, the dad living. Like everyone else dies. It's like the op- <laughs> like, somehow like he's just like, mm-hmm. well, knew it. <laughs> that would be uh, pretty against the. Yeah, uh, totally. yeah, yeah, I'm joking. Yes, it'd be pretty yeah. against the uh, title of the show, Christian. Don't you think? Anyway. Well, this season is called Succession colon Continuation, I think is mm-hmm. actually what it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> the non-succession, okay. Right, yeah, yeah. All right, a uh, couple of other things to discuss. First of all, I played through the game um, in the last week, and I think what I was, what really struck me about playing through the game, and this ties into one of the questions you had, Christian, is like, uh, so part one of the game, still overall a great experience, like, and especially playing it on PS5, the remastered version, it looks incredible. Like it's a great, so good. great, great game. Some of the gameplay mechanics feel very dated. Like pick up the ladder, put it here, move the garbage can over here. You know, like that that stuff feels pretty dated. But the story is excellent. The the mocap, the voice acting is still all good. But the thing that really struck me about playing through it is how much storytelling gets done during gameplay that just doesn't happen in the show, right? Um, early on in the game, uh, you travel through the city with Marlene and you're kind of fighting your way through Boston with Marlene a little bit. And also Ellie and Marlene are friends and like have kind of a loyalty to each other that doesn't exist in the show. Cause they're kind of in a very combative relationship at the beginning of the show. Um, I did kind of miss that. There's this idea of Ellie and Marlene being friends that I think really would have made the ending more poignant for me as opposed to kind of Marlene's kind of just using Ellie most of the time. She kept her safe per Ellie's mom's instructions, but like Marlene's kind of using Ellie. So, you know, that was where I really missed out on kind of the gameplay. You know, you you kind of know Marlene more in the game than you do in the show. Similarly, we talked about in a bonus episode, Christian, how Cannibal David, um, there's a massive set piece where, uh, action sequence where like you as Ellie fight off a horde of infected with cannibal David, which then makes his reveal that he's a cannibal and evil much more impactful than I think. It, yeah, and and he's, he supports yeah. you. You're playing as Ellie. Yeah. And he David saves is, Ellie's life multiple times. Basically. He's yeah. a trustworthy NPC that you have uh, at your back during combat. And yeah, there's cut scenes where he straight up saves Ellie's life, but for cannibal David's actions, Ellie would have died then and there in that warehouse. Yeah. So I, I did miss that. And then, of course, the biggest thing is that there's a massive, like, I think, 30 to 60 minute long action sequence that takes place between the giraffe scene and when they reach the hospital, right? Like, where they go underground to this, like, subway tunnel and then they fight off, like, all these infected. It's actually one of the game's most effective sequences. Um, but that's just not in the game. Like, it's not in the show, I should say. The show just took out a lot of the gameplay, pretty much. Um, and uh you know for for many reasons like the you know this is the best way to the most streamlined way to tell the story budgetary reasons whatever um but they i think they felt like they didn't need it and as a result uh i think the show does end up feeling a little bit rushed because you introduce a character and then one or two episodes later you're killing that character and the show doesn't really have the downtime that the game has, you know, like there's all this downtime in the game where you're just hanging out with Ellie or, you know, hanging out with these other characters. Um, and you're learning about them through like dialogue that happens during those scenes. And that's just not in the show really. Um, so that was my biggest reflection is a lot of gameplay that's not in the show, 
Um, and that, a lot of downtime and a lot of like kind of background details that I think would have made the show better, but I understand why they cut them, you know? Um, yeah, I so think anyway, it's other yeah. sides of a coin because I think that the show did a really good job having them at camp and chit-chatting, like having those wonderful mm-hmm, campfire mm-hmm. scenes, yeah, yeah. like that one at night, was it episode two or three, where Ellie's like, the Raiders aren't going to find us here, and Joel's like, yeah, we're safe here, and then Joel stays up all night. Like, there's beauty, I think, in the scenes where they're just sitting and talking, and in the game, you don't have those scenes. You get a lot of that information, but it's peppered in during them resting combat. Like, you just finished an encounter, then you're walking to the next thing, and you have this interesting dialogue happening as joel is pushing a crate you know 400 yards uh with ellie sitting on it because she can't swim and so i think the show did a really nice job of taking those personal moments and finding ways to have them happen but in the game i think what makes the game really strong even today uh you know the core version of the game even if you play the ps3 version of the game is how it managed to keep things interesting even during the core gameplay loop of killing surviving killing surviving of having story elements come in because a lot of games still don't do that so i think as an adaptation the show knocked it out of the park but is it different than the game certainly but i wonder how effective the show would be if we had four episodes of joel and ellie you know killing off whatever tons of infected irregular people and coming out unscathed because we talked about the beginning of this episode dave does that limit the stakes of joel and ellie surviving Mm -hmm. because you as the player those are engaging because oh my gosh if i fail i have to read the load this level but in a tv show would it just be who is this superhuman 56 year old and 14 year old girl (laughs) you know who can just plow through all these bodies i I am overall really impressed with the show and all the adaptation decisions it made um i think they made like mostly really great choices um but I do, I do. There's things from the game that I miss. I'm not saying they should have put those things in, but like there are things from the game that I miss. The downtime we've discussed, um, these kind of core character moments, like with Cannibal David, that that like weren't in the show. Um, I think the only other thing that I would say is the infected just seem like not a really big factor in the show. You know, like they show up in episode two, and then uh, you know with Kathleen, they obviously like overtake Kansas City. But, um, you know, if 70% of the show, like, has no infected, you know? Like, they're living in the world that the infected created. But, you know, like, they're mostly dealing with evil people for most of the show, you know? I will um, say this, too. The game does have CG giraffes. So, if you want, that's true. If you want that's CG true, yeah. giraffes, the game's where you get them. <laughs> well, the other, the other big thing is, as I've, as I've mentioned on, on this podcast, like, in the game, you know, Joel and Ellie have killed hundreds of men and and women men and women and infected you know by the time they get to the end of the season um or the end of the game so um and and, oh that was the other thing i wanted to bring up christian um i was surprised at how vicious the opening of the game was where like Mm -hmm. you and you and uh, joel and tess are looking for this guy named robert and when robert won't like give them what they want like tess just like executes him like bullet to the head they like kill so many people in the first 10 minutes of the game that I think would have felt that would have felt weird in the show. Like uh, where they're just like, honestly on a killing rampage to get to this guy, Robert, <laughs> that, you know, it's just like they, they, they've killed like 10, 20 people on the way to get this guy, maybe even more than that. And I was just like, yeah, that would just be really weird to see in a show. Um, so I was surprised at how, like how many people test kills basically um, in the game. Uh, but again, I think they made the right decision to scale down the killing. All right, Christian, you have a couple questions and then 
I'd like to spend five, ten minutes talking about part two of the video game. So any, yeah. anything, any topics you want to discuss? Yeah, so you host a, a movie podcast, um, film cast, excellent uh, show. I've been a fan of for years. I love those discussions between you, Jeff, and Devendra. There was a movie version of The Last of Us announced back in 2013, I think, pretty early on after the game came out. Mm-hmm. There's an article. You can still if you Google it. You can find it. Collider has one. Other people have written about it again as the show became a hit. But even back then, there are old articles talking about this movie adaptation. It was to be directed yeah. by Sam Raimi. My question to you, a veteran film critic and analyst, does this story work as a movie? Do you think they could have done a 90-minute, three-hour version of this story that left you impressed and feeling like they told they they did this story justice or was this tv show the only way that this story could kind of be uh brought to life i could have seen this as a two and a half hour long movie but they would have had to cut out a lot of a lot more stuff from the game you know but have here the question right is have you ever seen a road movie um that is satisfying at the end of the road movie, you know, cause it's, this is basically a road movie. It's two characters journeying through the United States on the road. And I've seen road, you know, I don't think you need 10 hours to make a road movie. Like, um, but they would have had to cut a lot of stuff out. Like they probably wouldn't have gotten like half an episode where you learn who Sarah is, you know, like probably um, you'd have to lose. Like I, certainly you wouldn't have done the Kathleen storyline, but I actually think that would have been a net positive. Um, maybe you would have had to lose the David story. You know, like you've had to lose some one or two big storylines in there. A lot of nice little moments. Um, I think it's possible, but I'm glad they did it this way because as is Christian, I think that the show could have had more episodes, right? Per, per what we've discussed. Cause I, I do think the show did feel a little bit rushed and maybe could have had like more interstitial connective episodes where you're just getting to know people a little bit more. Uh, have a bottle episode where Joel and Ellie are stuck in a convenience store and they need to like talk about their life, you know, like, um, so I think it's possible to make a good movie, but you would, you'd have had to cut out a lot of stuff and people would have really been upset about that, but I think it's possible. So those are, yeah, I think it's interesting because I think that what makes the game work and you kind of just talked about it are all, it's like the time you spend with these characters, right? You, they really grow on you and you come to really like them and then it makes the weight of the decisions at the end um, that much more impactful. And yeah, there are road movies that kind of deal with that kind of stuff, but I don't know how well it would have sat. I'm not saying it's impossible. There are very talented people and Sam Raimi certainly has made some of my you know favorite movies over the years. But it, it seems difficult, I think, to introduce all these characters, have you grow to love them, and then have one you know, arguably betray or well, you the just, other and have that You just land. wouldn't have introduced all these characters. There there would mm, probably mm. be no tests in the movie. You know, there'd probably be um there wouldn't have been a Bill and Frank thing, you know, yeah. like no, probably Henry, Henry that's wild. probably Henry and Sam would have been you know, like that's what I'm saying. It's like you'd have to you'd have to really trim down the number of characters uh for it yeah. to work. And uh, I'm glad it got adapted as a TV show for sure. But I think it's possible to make that story. It's possible, hey, um, Guy loses his daughter. Now, the he, 20 years later, he's hardened and not happy anymore and can't love. He needs to take this girl across the United States. Um, and then at the end, like, kind of betrays everyone because he doesn't want to give her up. Like, that's that's a... You could tell that the bones of that story can function in a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie, in my opinion. Um, but you'd have had to cut out a lot of other stuff. So, 
Well, you already answered my other question. Do you think it'd be better? This show would have been better if it was longer. We can spend time on that if you'd like. But if not, I will offer up my third question for you. Now that the HBO's The Last of Us has become this massive hit, you know, Game of Thrones uh, uh, surpassing numbers and just this yeah. worldwide phenomenon, what other video games do you think could have this quote unquote prestige? TV treatment. I don't even mean just like good video game adaptations. I think we had several before this. Castlevania was fantastic. The Sonic movies were very fun. Um, the uh, Riot game, uh, Ar- Arcane, awesome, yeah, awesome Arcane, show yeah. on Netflix. So it's been a lot of good ones. Edge Runner, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners. Yeah. Um, but none of those I would call quote unquote prestige tv yeah have you started like mapping out in your head other games that could get this treatment our studios are scrambling to be like uh <laughs> nba jam we'll take it <laughs> i don't know that like the list of the the movie the uh games could be on kind of on one hand christian so it's not like there's a i'm not like there's like 50 things that i would like to see you know um in general i think hey uh if it works in one medium it doesn't necessarily mean it'll work in another medium uh, but I, I was watching the making of, and one of the great insights was like, hey, uh, Neil Druckmann was saying, there are so many people that will never, ever pick up a controller, but might still enjoy mm-hmm. the story of The Last of Us. And that's why they made the show, right? Um, so the question is, what stories are so good that they must be shared with people? And honestly, only a handful come to mind. Uh, Bioshock, perhaps? Um Red Dead Redemption, you know, uh, the, the Red Dead, the Red Dead series, basically, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Uncharted, you know, which already has been made into a movie. But those has are the it? only big ones. Those are the only big ones that I'm like, <laughs> you know, I really wish, you know, there was a different, uh, a different way to tell the story. Um, yeah. Any, anything that comes to mind for you, Christian? Yeah, I think I, I want to see TV versions. Yeah, they made an Uncharted movie, which we talked about on yeah. your said uh, movie uh, podcast. Um, and they've made Tomb Raider movies. I, I think Tomb Raider could be an excellent show. I think there are others that could be told as excellent TV shows given you know given time. And I think some of them are maybe um, the smaller indie games. Disco Elysium is fantastic, and it's not this big mm-hmm. blockbuster AAA mm-hmm. game, but it's like a... So I'm, I'm thinking of like all the noir games that tell excellent stories. And I don't know how you would, would adapt this one, but Celeste, I think, is such a beautiful story. And it is a video game that is pixel art, 2D precision platformer. Mm, but it tells a yeah. story of a girl dealing with grief, anxiety, depression, um, coming out, realizing who they are and fighting against their own demons. So I don't know what that is, per se. Um, Hyperlight Drifter is this awesome world and and idea of what a futuristic kind of society is again in a very beautiful game so i think there are a lot out there but i think the hard part is finding the studio and partners that um to neil's quote uh or neil's thought know what the story is <laughs> and know why they're doing it and not just like dollar signs <laughs> and and treat right. it with respect and care and adapt it truly adapt it to be the essence of the thing and not just a um uh, washed over retelling yeah yeah indeed great question though great question great great choices i mean i when you said something like celeste there was no way in hell that would ever work as a movie but you know or i don't TV think show, so but, but but you know it's it's a you're right that it's a, that's a great video game um okay uh look we have a hard stop in about 12 minutes and i didn't you know like the the, the trade-off was get this episode out earlier and uh, get it to you sooner 
but have it be shorter or wait for later. And unfortunately, I chose to get it out sooner. So, uh, but I want to spend the next ten minutes talking about full spoilers for part two of the video game, uh, and wanton speculation on what's going to happen with season two and so on and so forth. So, I if you ha- if you do not want to know what happens in part two of the Last of Us and also season two, I assume of the Last of Us show. Please stop listening. Abandon all hope, <laughs> you who enter here. Abandon all. Stop. Put press pause now before you are spoiled on the game and the show. Okay, because we're about to spoil every freaking thing. Thanks for listening, and please keep it tuned into Decoding TV for a succession. But please stop listening now. Okay, I've, I've, I think I've been sufficiently clear in my warnings. We're spoiling everything, including future things. All right, let's get to it. To me, there are a few big questions. Uh, that season one presents, right? One is in, I think it was what, episode six, seven? Uh, we meet a mysterious girl who's looking at Ellie. And there's staring been a lot of... Spe- girl. Staring girl. And there's been a lot of speculation that that is Dina from the game, who we know in Last of Us Part Two um, is uh, Ellie's romantic partner. So... I am curious, like, is that where that's play? That's how that's going to play out. Um, it's just a weird. That was one of the weirder Easter eggs because the girl looks like Dina. She's not named, so maybe it's not Dina. But it's a we. But she looks like Dina. It's a weird Easter egg because it's like, why was she staring at Ellie? Like, maybe she's just fascinated by her. It's just a weird moment in the show. Um, that's one question. You know, is like, what what's going to happen with Ellie and Dina? But the the big thing is the story of the Last of Us Part Two is that. The daughter, and again, this is spoilers for part two, the daughter of the (laughs) doctor that Joel murders in the operating room uh, ends up basically honing her body to be a killing machine so that she can one day get revenge on Joel for murdering her dad and dooming the world. And that character's name is Abby, and then the game actually forces you to play as Abby in part two of of the video game. Now, I think it's entirely possible that that's going to happen, that there's going to be a new character, it's going to be the Doctor's daughter, and so on. But what was really weird to me was to literally introduce that same dynamic with Hannah in episode seven, I think, right? Or eight, no, episode eight. Yeah, um, Alec, I think, was the, the, Alec the outside was, so, the hospital. Yeah, Joel kills this guy outside the hospital, and then his daughter, that guy's dead, the dead guy's daughter is like, when are we going to kill Joel? And it's like, why would they introduce that exact same dynamic? Because is like, is is Hannah going to be the one that's the killing machine? You know, like I, I don't know. Christian, I mean, what do you, what do you think? Is Hannah like? It'd be weird to introduce the Hannah thing and then also introduce Abby in season two. I think, but maybe no one will care. I think I think they can relate, and I I, I think that Joel's probably killed a lot of kids' fathers. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like what he and yeah. Tommy yeah. did before yeah. alluded to yeah. was like bad, bad stuff. So yeah. I think you could have weight to it that Abby is maybe the only one who finds herself in the position to kill Joel, but I'm sure others think about it every day, just as I imagine other people in this world think about exacting revenge on their tormentors and, you know, all the cruel things that happened to them and their family along the way. Um, that's, that's my guess, but I'm not sure. I, my yeah. my question to you, Dave, is like, 
the game does a lot of stuff with you play through a, a large chunk of time and then you switch characters and you play through that similar time from a different perspective. And there's time jumps that happen between this. Yeah. And I am fascinated again and Neil and Craig and the creative teams at HBO. I trust because I think they knocked season one out of the park. And I also enjoyed the second game very, very much, but I'm curious about the adaptation hurdles of like, how do they do that? Is it more linear structured where like they show us all this flashback stuff of abby when she's young at the beginning are we jumping times are we jumping perspectives are they gonna do episode one is the the museum from ellie episode two or the aquarium episode one is the aquarium from ellie episode two is the aquarium from abby and kind of flip-flopping perspectives all the time like all of that stuff in the tv show i'm super fascinated how they handle it. And I think to me, those are the biggest questions. I, I agree. Like that's going to be how they handle that. Like last of us part one. You're if you say, Hey, they're adapting last of us part one to an HBO TV show. You're like, Oh, that makes, I know exactly how they do that. Like that's, it's extremely linear. Like, yes, there's a couple time jumps, but like, it's very, and there's left, there's a uh, left behind, but like, it's, it's very linear. I can totally easily imagine that last of us part two. You, t- you say they're ad- adapting that to an HBO TV show. I'm like, I have no idea how the fuck they're going to do that, right? Like, I have no idea <laughs> how this is going to happen because it is way more difficult to adapt, in my opinion. They, Last of Us Part Two, the video game, makes use of conventions that just would not work in TV shows, in my opinion. Um, because, yeah, you spent, you spent an enormous amount of time playing as different characters. Now, uh, one example that comes to mind really readily you know is uh do you ever see that show the affair on showtime uh yeah so so that that's a show that would be like hey so-and-so's i don't remember the character's names but it's like you know ellie's perspective and then it will show you like ha- half the episodes like ellie's perspective. then it might show you like you know abby's perspective and then half the shows from there or you know it might use like lost where lost technique where like they flash back to to people's lives and you know, each episode's like one character, but then you might have a flashback in there or a flash forward or something like that. Another big thing that's an issue is Ellie is five years older in The Last of Us Part Two than she is in The Last of Us. Um, and I do think that's an important part of the character of Ellie, like, uh, and, 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 you know, that, that she has, like, aged quite a bit. And I don't know how that's going to work with the casting in season two. You know, I, I assume they're going to keep five with- years older. Um, yeah, the HBO doesn't rush things, you know, game of, uh, house mm-hmm. of dragon or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Like there's like two and a half years between seasons there in terms of yeah. just spinning it up and making it. I just had this yeah. thought, sorry to interrupt, but like, I wonder if season two, cause they had sent it, they had mentioned or hinted at that part two is more than one season is part is season two just abandons every character you've met. And it's just yeah. Abby, Abby that- living in Seattle and everybody's like, Oh, it's an anthology show. Yeah. That and then be season wild. three That'd is Ellie you know, running into Abby and everybody's like, oh, it's connected, you know? I, like. I, I, that would be wild. I actually think that would be like a good way to do it. I don't think they're going to do it though. I think that would be asking too much from the audience to be like, who fell in love with Abby, uh, sorry, Ellie and Joel and their relationship to then not have any Ellie and Joel in the second season. I just don't think they could do it. Well, I, I could see Ellie a scenario. Older, Bella could becomes scenario, five years older that way. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I could see a scenario where um, it's Abby for the first five episodes, you know, mm. and then you factor in Ellie somehow, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, well, fans but also, were angry I mean, at the also, game. Also, also. Bella, Bella, Bella Ramsey is already older than the character of Ellie in the game. So like, you know, she, she's already probably age appropriate for what Ellie theoretically would be. But like the character of Ellie in C, in part two of the game 
looks a lot taller and more physically imposing than yeah. Ellie in Ellie in part one of the video game. And I just, I don't know if and how they're going to achieve that for Bella Ramsey um, without waiting a long period of time. Um, anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, I mean, the, the, the video game also upset some people for that same thing you said the show might by not f- showing us these characters we love. Again, full spoilers. They killed Joel. It's not the safe sequel. The safe sequel is here's yeah. further adventures of, uh, you know, the Lone Ranger and, <laughs> you know, pick your buddy comedy or whatever, right? Like Lone Ranger and Tonto out on adventures. Here they go. A green Hornet. Uh, they're out on adventures. Here they go. Batman and Robin. Here they go. And then this is like, nope. That beloved character, the internet's daddy, dead. Deal with it. And so I I wouldn't put it past the show or HBO doing something difficult if there is a good story to tell. Like The Last of Us, to me, is not The Walking Dead, which I loved. I love that comic. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed multiple seasons of that TV show. Um, But it's not that. You know, I feel like it doesn't – I don't want to say it doesn't care, but – it's bold, and I think if any show could do it, I do think The Last of Us is a show that could really subvert expectations with what they're doing. Well, I think they're definitely going to kill Joel in the second – maybe not in the second season, but they will kill Joel during the course of the show. You know, um, The question is, yeah, how much, how much time is Abby going to get in season two? Um, is Abby going to have the same backstory? Probably, because they lingered on that shot of the doctor at the end of the episode of – at the end of uh, the finale. And what is the structure of the season going to be? Right, that's the question. Um, I'm really curious, but like any any permutation we've discussed is possible. Uh, I am dreading it because, <laughs> as challenging as the discourse has been for season one, sometimes, and how heated and intense it has been about the ending, it's going to be way worse. Like I'm, I'm dreading the discourse more than the show, honestly. <laughs> um, but. You know what I'm not dreading? Talking about TV shows with Christian Spicer here on Decoding TV, which I hope will happen uh, once season two rolls around. So anyway, by this point, many people have already tuned out. But Christian, I just want to say thank you again for joining me on this season. Couldn't have done it without you. And it's been a really enriching experience for me. And I hope it has been for you as well. It's been my pleasure. It's been a dream. Thank you for inviting me uh, into this wonderful universe and into your the audience's lives. What a great group of folks. You know, sometimes you guest on shows or work with stuff and it's like, oh, this isn't a place I want to be. The Decoding TV community is fantastic. The emails and comments, even when they weren't saying exactly what I thought, were always They're so respectful. So respectful. respectful. Like, awesome. Yeah, everyone awesome was community. so kind. I was really grateful for people's kindness. So, all right, folks, next week, succession. Uh, and yeah, look forward to. Uh, bonus episode and uh preview episode and uh and then a recap of episode one should be a lot of fun christian thank you so much see you on here on decoding tv very very soon